God bless you. Please turn around just to wave to each other. Welcome. You're welcome today. Just turn around, acknowledge each other in the, in the house. The last service, Sunday service before the new year. I pray 2023 has been good to you and for you. God bless you. Before I just carry on just sharing a few thoughts, uh, can I have my readers come to the front? We're going to be reading our scripture readings for today, for the foundations. Today. Scott, if you've come here for the first time, anyone here first time? You're welcome. God bless you. Any of the youngsters first time, your first time? No, you've all been here before. God bless, so you know what you're, you're in for. The fact that you've come back, we haven't frightened you off. And so God bless you. Praise God. It's good to have you here. Amen. So it's been an interesting year. Rivers and Marcel, you're welcome. God bless. How's the year been for you? Yeah, full of events. Um, I started coming a few months ago. Uh, feel very blessed to be here. Um, yeah, just positivity, I think. Just... Relaxing, chilling. <laughs> um, I'm, I just don't stress myself out too much. But yeah, all good. All good. Um, this year's been just um, a lot of up and downs, but it's been really exciting. Um, and I had to make the decision that to sort of like move away from what's going on is just to give it all to God and then just move on that way. And I've done that. And funnily enough, I'm really proud to be reading this today for another reason, but yeah, thank you. Yeah, so we're reading from John 8, 1. But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Now early in the morning, he came again into the temple, and all the people came to him, and he sat down and taught them. Then the scribes and Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery. When they had set her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, there is a woman. This woman was caught in adultery in the very act. Now Moses, in the law, commanded us that such should be stoned. But what do you say? This they said, testing him that they might have something of which to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger, as though he did not hear. And I'm reading from John 7, verse, I mean, John 8, sorry, verse 7 to 12. So when they continued asking him, he raised himself up and said to them, he who is without sin amongst you, let him throw a stone at her first. And again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground, conscious, went out one by one, beginning, beginning with the oldest, even to the last. And Jesus was left alone and the woman standing in the midst. When Jesus had raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? She said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Then Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me 
shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Amen. Thank you very much. God bless you. Well done. God bless. Amen. Interesting passage. So I'm going to share a message on this passage, but it, if it goes deep, too deep, I'd encourage you to speak to someone after the this counseling, after the service, when I give my messages. So uh, you can speak to someone to fill in the gaps and help you understand, be enriched with the Word of God. Because the Word of God can be received as milk, as vegetables, and then as solids, as meats. So it depends where we are in our spiritual journey. But I pray there'll be something for everyone, for everyone's diet, dietary needs, praise God. Interesting passage here. We're coming towards the end of the year, and we need to leave things behind, drop things and leave things behind. And on Friday, we had our Bible study and expounded on the, the book of Exodus, speaking about uh, how uh, the Israelites wanted to worship their God. And they worshiping God in certain contexts sometimes is not popular. And they said, we need to go somewhere to really connect with our Lord so we don't have any distractions. So I pray today as we share the word of God that we will not have any distractions, that you, your, your spiritual eyes will be open, you look beyond the veil of obscurity, the, the veil that limits us from actually seeing what God wants to say to us. It's one thing us interpreting God, it's another thing God revealing things to us. And I pray this morning that God will reveal things rich into your hearts, into your spirits to transform you. Leave here today with a new foundation, have a new outlook and with new opportunities in the world and in God. Praise God. So God bless you. So let's just, let's try and unpack, decode this passage. It's well known, read many times. We hear it about the woman caught in adultery and so forth. And they come to Jesus to actually challenge him. And if you read, if you follow the gospel narrative, you find that oftentimes everyone who came to Jesus came for different reasons. The Pharisees and scribes always came to challenges and ha challenge him and have an opportunity to falsely accuse him, to accuse him or to discredit him. And oftentimes around our lives, we have people gathering around our lives. The skill is to differentiate, discern who's coming to uh, add to our lives and who's coming to take away from our lives, who's coming to encourage us or who's coming to discourage us. That's a skill in itself. That comes under the category of discernment to discern the people around you because everyone around you is not really there for your well-being oftentimes or for you to progress or for you to move forward. Sometimes people around your life as obstacles, stumbling blocks to bring you down at any occasion, every now and then. And people oftentimes come not to celebrate you but to see you fail and fall. And this is the category of these people that gather around Jesus in this context, this passage. They came to see Jesus fall. They were trying to set him up to bring him down. Amen. I wish I'm speaking to someone. So they bring this woman who they say to him that she was caught in adultery in the very act. She was actually practicing the adultery when they caught her. And they were using the law as, as something coming again, as a weapon against her. And it would challenge Jesus to see his response. But if you know the scripture, you know the, the law, the word of God, you realize that they were misleading the people around them. Because the law had other elements that had to be included before the woman can be stoned. In fact, the law, we draw the law from Leviticus chapter 20 verse 10. It says this. There's got to be two parties involved in adultery. In that instant, the man and the woman. They said they caught the woman in the very act of the adultery. Meaning the implication is there was a man there also at the same time. The absence of the man disqualified the accusation. 
Jesus could have not even, he, he was dismissive about them. And it was quite amusing, the fact that they were trying to accuse this woman. But they violated the law they wanted to uphold. They violated the law to accuse Jesus because the accusation wasn't against the, 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 the woman. It was against Jesus. They were testing him to expose him, to do something, to find accusation against him. But the, the argument did not stand. Legally, according to the Jewish law, it could not stand. And there couldn't be a punishment because they didn't have all the elements in place. I wish I'm speaking to someone. And oftentimes when we have accusations against us, they're one-sided. You need, before you make a, a decision, you've got to make an informed decision. You cannot go to a court and accuse someone unless you have the evidence. Yeah? And Leviticus chapter 20 verse 10 says, says this, The man who commits adultery, not the woman, the man bears the first guilt. Where's the man in this incident? Come on, with another man's wife, he who commits adultery with his neighbor's wife, the adulterer and the adulteress should be put to death. Already, their, their, their argument is marred. They have nothing, nothing to base it on. It would have been thrown out of court. But yet because their motive, their agenda was to accuse him. And that's how people behave. They mislead people. They, 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 they give a one side of a story or, or they give an element of truth but no substance to it. Amen. Praise. But God always has the answer, the perfect answer. So he, he entertained their delusions and their arguments and their seeming accurate. He entertained them in order for them to be ensnared in their own trap. And so we see, we come to verse 6, and this is powerful, because people read these past narratives for years, because the, the Word of God, we start with the milk, with the, with, the, with the vegetation, and then we have the solids, and the Word of God, we've got to come to the solids in relation to understand what's actually happening here, happening here because Jesus is giving us a profound lesson in his purpose and mission coming into the world, why we're celebrated this season. This is the reason he came into the world. I wish I'm speaking to someone today. In verse 6 says this, This they said, testing him, that they might have something of which to accuse him. They want to get something to accuse him. And Solomon says there's a few things that amaze him. It's that when a snake passes over a rock, it doesn't leave its mark. It doesn't know, he says, I don't know the way of the eagle. The path the eagle takes because when it flies through the air, I can't trace it. There's no road, there's no marks in the sky to know where the eagle has gone. In allusion to the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, when he rose, there was no way we cannot trace the fall. We need to follow him. He needs to, he needs to reveal the direction. We cannot find it in ourselves. We don't have the capacity. We don't have the mechanism to find the way of Christ unless he reveals himself. We cannot find the way to get to where he wants us to be. That's why he says, deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. And then he says, the other thing that I marvel about is when a serpent passes over a rock it does not leave his mark because Jesus is the rock of our salvation and when the serpent comes he has nothing in him he cannot the devil cannot leave his mark on the rock of salvation because he cannot taint him with sin because Jesus is sinless 
And then finally he says, I don't know the way of the ship in the oceans, in the sea. It goes through the oceans, breaks through the waves, but it doesn't leave its mark. Once the ship has gone, you cannot trace the path. The ship has gone. And that's the church that God is establishing. Once the church is taken, you will not find the way back to heaven because this is the doorway. The baptismal font is the doorway to get back to heaven. So everything they tried against him could come to nothing. It was for no avail. They could not achieve anything. Because they're caught in human ignorance. And this is why sometimes it's amusing when people think they can dissect God. Hallelujah, praise God. And so we say, but Jesus stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger as though he did not hear. And often people see this as a random act. Try, people try to connect a meaning to what Jesus had done. And sometimes they, 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 they overlook it or they, mis, they misunderstand what's really happening here. And it's a profound act of Jesus Christ. Because everything that Jesus did has a profound theological lesson to it and implication. There is nothing random. There is nothing by chance. Every jot and every tittle of the word of God has meaning and purpose and intention. When, when, when in, in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 5, verse 17, it says this. Do not think I came to destroy the law or the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. That's why Jesus was 30 years old before he revealed himself. Because that was the legal age requirement before anyone can teach as a rabbi had to be 30 years plus to 50 years old before they can even serve in the temple. So he fulfilled the legal requirement. It was the right time. And then he says this, verse, verse, verse 18. For assuredly I say to you, till, every, till, till heaven and earth pass away, every jot or, or one jot or one tittle will by no means pass from the law till all is fulfilled. The smallest detail will be fulfilled. Hallelujah. Every, in fact, the Greek says, Yoda en imya gerea. Yoda is a vertical line, and Gerer is a line that goes across, that makes the form of the cross. It's the cross that fulfills everything. Hallelujah, praise God. So everything that Jesus did, if Jesus moved his hand in one direction, that's a, that's a lesson. If Jesus stands still, that's a lesson. If Jesus looks up, that's a lesson. If Jesus looks down, there's a meaning. Everything around, there's a meaning to everything that Jesus does. It's not, nothing perchance, nothing haphazard. It's detail. So when Jesus stooped down and looked on the earth, it's an implication that God is looking down on the earth. And when he puts the finger in the ground, that's the anointing of the Holy Spirit coming into the human condition. I wish I'm speaking to someone today. Hallelujah. Praise God. I want to, I want to allow, would you allow me to just enjoy myself with the things of God? Hallelujah. He wrote on the ground with his finger. The mention of his finger is so profound. If we take him at who the Bible reveals him to be, if he is the word of God that became flesh, that we beheld his glory, and he is the second person of the Godhead, hallelujah, then his finger must have a representation of something profound. And we need his finger to touch our hearts today. Hallelujah, praise the earth of our hearts. We need him to touch us today. Because when God wrote the, the commandments in the Old Testament, 
When Israel, Egypt, the Hebrews left Egypt and they went to Mount Sinai and God gave them the commandments, we're told that Jesus inscribed the commandments, God actually inscribed the commandments on the stone tablets with his finger. Wow. And now if we take it that Jesus is the agency, is the law giver, who revealed himself to Moses because he said to Moses uh, that I am. Tell the children of Israel I am. And Jesus comes along centuries later and says to us, he qualifies the I am. When God says to Abraham in Exodus chapter 3 verse 14, watch this very quickly. Says this, And God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, thus you should say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me to you. And then later on the Jewish boy comes and starts teaching and says, I am the bread of life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the resurrection. I am the the door. I am the true vine. When he starts qualifying that I am shows that he fulfills what he started to do. He shows he began a work and now he is finishing it. And in Exodus chapter 31 verse 18, please follow this with me. As I said, after the message, if you have any questions, this is not a two-bit four-point-two sermon that you go away and it tickles your ears. I want you to engage with the Word of God. I want you to go away knowing you had a contact with God in, and had an experience with God. Hallelujah. And that's what church should be about, having an experience of God, encountering the Shekinah glory of God in your hearing and feeling the Holy Spirit permeate because God is more real and more present than me and you are here today. Hallelujah. I was encouraged last week because I saw Hulk Hogan, you know, the one who played in Rocky, the wrestler. He's just become a born-again Christian. He was baptized. I was really encouraged to see that. And he said, I want to I connect to something that's real, eternal. Hallelujah. It's powerful what God is doing. It's bringing revival, salvation for the world. There's revival. We've experienced revival. 2023 is a year of revival for ACC, praise God. And all t- globally around the world. No sooner are we coming through 2024... I'm expected in Ghana on the 10th of January. When we're expected in, in LA in May, I'm expected in China perhaps the end of the year. We're planning mission work this coming year. And there's a great harvest coming in. We want to celebrate what God is doing. God is not asleep. God is not dead. God is alive. That's why we're here today, praise God. And when he, and when he had made the end of speaking with him on Mount Sinai, he gave Moses two tablets of of the testimony, tablets of stone. Now stone, I want you to remember that. They're made of stone. In the Old Testament, the, the, the law was written on stone. Okay? Written with the finger of God. So when something's going on here, what is, what is going on? Because the intention of Jesus coming into the world is, 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 is many multifaceted. But the most important thing is to reconcile us to himself. And the reason that the tablets... Oh, the law was written on tablets of stone because that, re- that was indicative and reflected the condition of man's heart. Because our hearts were made of stone before Jesus came. We have stones, hard stones, cold stones, uh, hearts of stone, cold hearts of stone. And God wants to replace those hearts of stone with hearts of flesh. I wish I'm coming. Let's work it. Let's work it today. That's why Ezekiel chapter 36 verse 26 says to us, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of, of, of flesh. Praise God. And that's what he wants to do. 
It was through the heart. You know, the heart transplants didn't begin a few centuries, a few decades ago. They've started from Jesus Christ. He was the great physician operating on our hearts. But he also wants to give us a brain transfusion. You get that when you get home. <laughs> and he wants to change things around. Hallelujah. So he wrote with the finger. So when he wrote the, the commands on the stone tablets, now he wants to write them on the flesh of the hearts. And the earth... In, it, it points to the, the fleshly heart, not the stone, the earth. He wants to start writing on what he intended at the beginning. Because God created us to have a heart of flesh. But through the disobedience, we became hard-hearted. And we became, our hearts became of stone. Without emotion, without feeling, all judgmental critical, all negative, pessimistic, hopeless, and helpless. And Jesus came in our plight to change that. He came to change each one of us. And I believe we're here because of that, because of intervention. We're here. Hallelujah. Praise God. We're in Edmonton on the last day of 2023 because God is going to do something for you. If you, if you accept it, if you allow it in 2024. And the Greek word that is used for, the word that they're translated in Greek for flesh in, in Ezekiel is, is sarkos. The Greek word is sarkos. Not lithon, which is the stone, sarkos, which is the flesh. And in Genesis, at the very beginning, Genesis chapter 22, verse 23, when Adam made the statement, proclaim, said in 23, uh, Genesis 2, 23, says, and Adam said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. He's saying, he's, he says, he says, ekton osteon mu ge sarks ek sarks flesh. So before the fall, it was acknowledged, understood, that our hearts was a flesh, supple, that God could, could mold, God could inscribe his love, and God could inhabitate our hearts, praise God. It was like supple, like butter. If you take clay and you take butter, you put it under the sun, the butter, what happens to the butter? What happens to the clay? It becomes harder. Well, through the fall, we became hearts of clay. That, and the more God came closer to us, the sun of righteousness, instead of melting, becoming supple, that God can mold us continually and help us develop and mature, we became hard as clay. We became hard. And the more God comes closer to us, the harder we become. And God came to change this situation, condition of, our, of how we were at this position by taking the clay out and putting a heart of flesh if we permitted him to do that. Hallelujah. I wish I'm speaking. I hope it's not getting too deep for you today. And that's why Corinthians 2 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 3 says this. Clearly you are an epistle of Christ written by us. Written not with ink but by the spirit of the living God. Not on tablets of stone but on tablets of flesh. That is of the heart. And that's what Jesus indicated in this very act when he bowed down, looked away to the ground as if he didn't show them any regard, didn't show them any attention. He looked down and he put his finger and he started because he started, started to change things. And the truth, the, the truth is qualified by chapter 9 because he uses the earth again to add that which was missing in a man who was born blind. Huh. 
I'll encourage you, when you go back, please read your, maybe if you can go over the, over the message again, just have a look at it and see what's, what's ha- ha- happening. Because there's things that Jesus did that people did not understand at the time. But he said, afterwards, you will understand what I'm saying to you, what I've been showing you. you at the moment, you're not capable. You're still in kindergarten. You haven't opened your spiritual eyes fully to understand the implication of my actions, what I'm doing. And this is why he tells us in John chapter 13, verse 7, he says this, Jesus answered and said to him, what I am doing, you do not understand now, but you all know after this. And that's why he tells us in John chapter 16, verse 12. He says, many things, I have to, I have to, many things I have to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. And verse 13, he says this. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. Hallelujah. That's speaking about the Holy Spirit. And his finger is indicative of the Holy Spirit coming into the flesh that will change everything and give us a spiritual understanding. Because without the Holy Spirit, we cannot understand the things of God. There are people who have PhDs in theology who do not know God but speak about him. It's not your physical qualifications. It's not your academia that gets you to God. It's your heart. It's your desire in your heart, your humility to allow God to, inter- to permeate you, to give you a rich understanding. And it's through Jesus Christ that the veil is taken away. Oh, come on. And so this is what he's showing. He said, look, you don't understand all these things now, but there's spiritual implications, spiritual meaning behind them. That's why in John chapter 9, verse 6, this is what happens. When he meets the man who's blind, what he does on the way, they have a theological debate and dialogue and argument. I won't go into it now because it's going to take too, too long. We're going to be here to 2025. But anyway, let's just uh, cover today what we can cover, uh, whatever. So, so, so he says, and when he had said, he spoke to them, and then he he. Were told, and when he had said these things, that after he had the conversation with them, that it was to show the glory of God, he spat on the ground. Okay, he spat on the ground. It's something we don't do in Edmonton. You get a fine if you spit on the ground in Edmonton. But he spat on the ground and, and, and made clay with the saliva and picked up this clay. And this guy's blind. He smashed it on his face and sp- spread it all over his face where his eyes would be, his eyes socket. And he created the eyes out of the mud. And what's this implication saying to us? Because in Genesis, this is chapter 2 verse 7 where so the God formed man out of the dust of the earth so this action shows his divine identity that he's the creator from the very beginning he was the same in the beginning as he's in the end he's the same yesterday today and forever praise God so in fact that by this verse showing that he's revealing his identity after he said to the Jews before Abraham was I am I was before Abraham I pre-existed I'm the one who met Abraham I'm the one who spoke to Moses he told them that and he qualified it by the act that's the only the only person who can do this is God himself Now, this is not kindergarten church service. We've got to, be, we've got to become mature. Amen. Paul writes into the Corinthian church in chapter 2, verse 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 6 says this. However, we speak wisdom among those who are mature, not, yet not the wisdom of this age, nor of the rulers of this age, who are coming to nothing. We need to become mature spiritually, grow spiritually, be empowered. Hallelujah. Church is not religion. It's a way of life. There's a joy. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Hallelujah. Praise God. Are you getting this? So, the act, so what he's doing, he's, he's showing them. He's doing something there. 
Not only is he inscribing something on, on, on the earth which represents our hearts, he's inscribing a new commandment. Because what did we, if we look at this, there's, there's a pattern in the word of God. One verse qualifies the other. When God wrote with his finger, he gave a commandment. So therefore, if Jesus is writing with his finger, he's given a commandment. And true to the word of God is so clear because he gives a new commandment now. In the Gospel of John, he actually gives a new commandment. He says, a new commandment I give you, that you love each other as I have loved you. By this, all will know that you are my disciples. It's our love one to another that qualifies our relationship with him, praise God. It's not if I can raise the dead. That's that's not evidence that I love. I'm just showing off. Look how wonderful I am. I can perform miracles. And this is what celebrity ministry is about. Look how wonderful I am, what I can do. It's not about what I can do. It's what he can do in me and through me. That's what makes a difference. It's not about me. It's about him, praise God. Hallelujah, praise God. Amen. So he says, so a new commandment he gives us that we love each other as he has loved us. This is the evidence that we are his disciples. He didn't say by becoming a successful businessman is evidence that you love me. He didn't say by walking on water is the evidence that you love me. He says, if you love each other, because love takes humility, love implies, and not just any love, not philo love, love that's conditional. It's agape love, unconditional love, loving in spite and not because I love you, even if you're kind to me, even if you're crude to me, I still love you. If you, if you, if you compliment me, I still love you. If, you. if you rebuke me, I still love you. Love, because that's what I am by my nature, praise God, hallelujah. Amen. So he wiped. And so by doing this act, he done a number of things. He inscribed his commandments on our hearts. But not only that, further this, he counseled out the handwriting that was against us. He overwrote the old accusations. He, he, he took it away and he wrote the new command of his love. He disqualified the old and he qualified the new. Everything old. That's why Paul says anyone in Christ is a new creation. Everything old has passed away and everything has become new. You're renewed in him. And today you can live with that renewal, that mindset. God has wiped the slate slate clean. So 2024, 2024, you're coming out here with a new clean slate, a new beginning. Everything old. Stop going back to the old reference points. Move on. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. And Colossians qualifies this. Paul tells us this. I won't keep you too, too long because I know I don't want you to get you tired because we're coming back this evening. Colossians chapter 2 verse 14 says this. Having wiped out the writing of requirements that was against us. So he's wiping the old and writing the new. Praise God. Uh, And he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross, having disarmed principalities and powers. And what Jesus did against those accusers, he disarmed them. Hallelujah. By allowing them to fall in their own snare. They dug a pit, but they fell in it themselves. They rolled a stone and it rolled back on them, praise God. And that's the, that's the nature, that's the way Jesus operated and functions. When someone comes to do something, planning, scheming against you, God will reverse it. That's why he says to Abraham, I'll bless them who bless you, but I'll curse him who curses you because no one can reverse or disqualify the blessing God has for you. No power in the world can do that. Hallelujah. The devil cannot curse those who God blesses. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. 
So we come through that passage. We know God is doing a new thing in our hearts. Hallelujah. He disarms the principality. He disarms your accusers. Hallelujah. You know, when someone tries to accuse you about something and your response is, I'm sorry, they stop in their tracks. But I want an argument. You know, some people want to settle to for a sorry. They want to create an argument. Some people, if you say, oh, I'm sorry, I'll take... What do you mean you take responsibility? I expect you to argue. Because that's the nature of the fallen disposition. Everyone wants an argument. I make amends to you. What, what do you make? I, 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 built, I wound myself up to this point. I need to fight. So you want to disarm the disarms principalities by taking all the accusation out the way, praise God. Hallelujah. And just to qualify one more thing to show that the finger of Jesus Christ is the Holy Spirit, is the finger of God. I just want to qualify this very quickly, then we're going to move on to conclude, comes to the crescendo of the, of the message, which you're going to reap up your seats and say, Hallelujah. <laughs> Exodus, we're told in Exodus that this is the finger of God that wrote on the clay or the, or the stone tablets. God bless you. But we read in Luke chapter 11, verse 18. I want to read a few verses. I want to just qualify this. If Satan also is divided against himself, how will his kingdom stand? Because you say, I cast out demons by Beelzebub. If I cast out demons by Beelzebub, how, by whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore, they will be judged. They will be your judges. But if I cast out demons with the finger of God, surely the kingdom of God has come upon you. He says, the finger, I do it with the finger of God. Okay. But in the same narrative, in the gospel of Matthew, when he quotes, he's, the, the writers speak about the same event. This is what we're told Jesus says in this passage because they equate the finger of God with something. Watch this. Uh, Matthew 12, 28. But if I cast out demons by the Spirit of God, in Luke he says the finger of God, the Spirit of God, surely the kingdom of God has come upon you. The same passage, same narrative, but one ch chose to use the finger of God as the Spirit of God because they, it was synonymous. They knew that the finger of God was the Spirit of God and the Spirit of God was the finger of God. Come on. So just to, before we conclude, just to say, it doesn't matter, hallelujah, it doesn't matter how we get to Jesus, irrespective of how one comes to Jesus Christ. You see, this woman was brought to Jesus by accusers. It doesn't matter how we get to Jesus. They meant it for bad, but God meant it for good. You might have an encounter in your life that's not pleasant on the surface. It's difficult and it might be painful. But if it gets you to Jesus, praise God you get to Jesus. Sometimes your friends will bring you to Jesus. Perhaps today you come here because of a friend. Praise God, get to Jesus. I'm telling you, through so many years of experience, I've seen the evidence, and I, and I, will talk, I'm gonna, I said I'm gonna have a seminar coming the next few months on, on the evidence of the validity of the word of God that cannot be, is undisputable. You cannot argue against it. So it's historical. It's scientific even. Amen. And so just get to Jesus. The two thieves on the cross, one on each side of Jesus. It's the ju judicial system that got them to Jesus. 
but they got to Jesus. They didn't plan to get to Jesus, but they got to Jesus. And still when we get to you, we still have a choice to make because there's two thieves on either side of Jesus, but they still have to make a choice whether to accept him or reject him. Still, we still retain free will to make that choice in ourselves. We can argue about God. We can argue about theology. We can argue about what's happening around the nation, around the world today. We can try and play the blame game, praise God. Now, these people came and they were pointing fingers at this woman, ultimately pointing fingers at Jesus Christ. And God has an amazing, his wisdom is beyond our understanding. Because I tell you something, if you're going to point a finger, can you show me your position of your hand? When you point your finger, what do you do? What do you do? Now, when you to see something, the wisdom of God, if you point a finger, how many fingers are pointing back at you? So they're pointing the finger, but there's three fingers pointing back at you. In this instance, it was the three, it was the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit pointing back at them, saying, you know, you are wrong. She may be wrong up to a point, but you're not right. Just because she's wrong, it doesn't mean you're right. Just because you find fault in someone else, you're not cleaner, you're not squeaky clean. <laughs> There's a lot to be desired. No one, all has fought, all have sinned and fought short of the glory of God. Unless there, there is a shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. That's what the Bible tells us. And he's blood that gets us right. They needed Jesus as much as she needed Jesus. Hallelujah. So they brought her to accuse, they brought her to accuse her and him. But ultimately, they were look, geez, they had an opportunity for salvation to get them to think what it was all about, to see that Jesus more than just a mere man. There's a, some power behind Jesus that beyond their comprehension and understanding, praise God. Hallelujah. It must have resonated, it must have echoed through them, just being in his presence. Something happened, being in the presence of Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. So it doesn't matter. So they all took up stones to stone. I brought some stones here. Uh, can I have uh, just one of the youngsters to come and give me a hand? Who would like to come up quickly? One of you youngsters. All right. All right, Gina wants to come. Come on, come and help me. Praise God. Amen. If you just take a few, if you just bring a couple here. So I brought some stones here, here. Stones of doubt, pain, suffering. And the people pick up stones and they cast. And these stones imply what's in them is basically your emotions. It's a, it's a manifestation of our emotions, how we often feel. Yeah? And then we're carrying, so over, we are over 2023, maybe you had doubt in your life. You're carrying a stone of doubt. Maybe you have a stone of suffering. There's something you've been through in, in this year that's caused great suffering and turmoil. Some, you might have some kind of pain. And see all these stones you're carrying, you're overloading yourself. We've got three more there, just a few. I could have had a hundred of these, but I wouldn't be able to carry them. You know, just different stones. Whatever you can put on, on these, you can put whatever label reflects your emotion, how you felt this year. It might have even been a stone of joy. Sometimes joy, joy is a burden because you want to cons be consistent in that joy. And sometimes difficult to have the joy because the world has a tendency of sideswiping you and throwing you a curveball. When you think everything's going right, all of a sudden, the, it just goes completely out of control. And so we have many. So, But the thing is here today, so you these stones... What you need to do is get rid of them. Yeah? You need to get rid of them. But there's different ways you can get rid of them because these stones serve a purpose. Because if we haven't learned from the stones of our afflictions, yeah, we're not going to be able to progress and move forward. If we just become a victim of the stone of the past, we're not going to be able to move forward. And here, I've put up here this, this, this chart here. I've asked uh, Deacon John to put this up here. And we're looking at... Coming to, 
2024. And I want you to get there, but I want you to use, when, 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 when Paul was crossing, going to Italy, to Rome, to Colby Four Seas, and they suffered the shipwreck, and they ended up on, on the island of, of Malta, they used the broken pieces of the ship to help them cross over. Their brokenness helped them get to dry land. Their hopelessness and their fears and their pain helped them get to safety. And I want you to use to start thinking, use this pain as, as a stepping stone to get you nearer to, can you pass me the stones, please? Is that, yeah, thank you. Thank you, Gina. She's helping me tremendously. So get your stone. Use this as a foundation. Thank you. To get closer for 2024 because God has a plan for you. Thank you. Oh, look. Thank you. Well done. I'm a builder as well, by the way. I work part-time. If you need any walls constructed, I can help you with that. <laughs> it, might be not, it might not be straight lines. But <laughs> so when you use these things, where is it? You can, and then you get your blessings. Use whatever's happened in 2023. Thank you, Gina. Fantastic. Let's give Gina a clap of and God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. So whatever stones have been thrown at you, take them and use them. Don't let anything go to waste. Don't let your suffering be for nothing. Don't let your pain be for nothing. Use it as fuel to drive you to get to somewhere better. And I can tell you, God has greater things on the horizon for us in 2020. Each person, in your own right, in your own way, God has the best for you. Don't listen to religion. Don't listen to philosophy. Don't listen to ideals. Don't listen to all what's going around the world. Don't look up through that lens. Look through the lens of the Word of God. Because God, His track record is 100% foolproof. Every time they were knocked down, they bounced back up. The righteous fall seven times, but he rises again. And so rise today. I want you to rise in confidence. I want you to rise in hope and blessing and joy. Let the joy of the Lord be your strength, praise God. As we give him the praise and glory and preeminence in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We say together, resounding, amen. 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 Let's stand together, praise God. Hallelujah.